The scripture reading will be found this morning in Mark chapter 12. Verses 28 through 31. It'd be wise to mention that before chapter 12 and chapter 11 and continuing in chapter 12, Jesus' authority was being challenged. And several times he reminded them that they were wrong, that they misunderstood. The chief priests, the Sadducees, the elders all questioned him. And he asked them earlier in chapter 12, have you not read this scripture? He said, is this not the reason that you're wrong because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God? So let us think about that as we listen to verses 28 through 31. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. God will bless the hearers and doers of his word. Good morning. Great to see everyone here. Glad you're here, especially those of you who are visiting with us. Thank you for being here. Uh, for those of you who are not visitors, uh, you've probably already figured out uh, either John looks really bad uh, or he's not here uh, and John's not here um, he's preaching down the road uh, I believe at Belleville where uh, uh, that congregation recently uh, experienced a, a tragic loss Bruce Ligon who's the preacher there and a friend of many of this congregation passed away and he is bringing a very special lesson for them as they grieve uh, and deal with that loss and so John's there this morning uh, and so while John's not here, uh, I just, I want to say one thing or two. And this has nothing to do with what's up on the screen about being average. Uh, whether you realize it or not, we are really, I, I don't like to use this term, but we're kind of spoiled here at Katy. Uh, or maybe a, a better way of saying it is we are, we are richly blessed. Uh, I am so thankful uh, that we have people that, that work and teach and preach and love with us and love on us like John Baker and Jordan Moore and KJ Moore and Daniel Mata. I am so grateful and thankful for the work that they do, for the time that they spend, for the things that they do both in and out of the pulpit. We have wonderful, wonderful people who teach to us and preach to us and they do such an amazing job. And, and, and I'm not trying to say this really in a negative way or looking down or being condescending in any way, but there's just so many times I go to other congregations to visit when I'm traveling and I come back and I leave and I say to myself, I am so grateful and so thankful 
for the amazing people that we have here in John and Jordan and KJ and Daniel. They do such wonderful work with us. We're a little bit spoiled and I'm fine with that (laughs) and I'm thankful for that. And so please, please love on these men. Encourage them. Do everything you can to build them up in every possible way. And in that vein, to help make you appreciate John even more, I was asked to preach today. And I'm glad to be here and to talk with you this morning and share a message from God's Word. I have a friend of mine, uh, which I know, those of you know who I'm a, that I'm a lawyer know, Kevin has friends. I have this friend, and, and we see each other a few, maybe once or twice a year, uh, and uh, he, he's, he's a really, really, really uh, smart guy. I know this because he has a bunch of initials behind his name. Uh, he really is smart. Uh, and, and I enjoy talking with him, having conversations with him, and, and I enjoy seeing what he posts from time to time uh, on, on Facebook. You know, he, he's an old person. Uh, and uh, recently he posted something that I thought was really interesting. He posted and he asked this question, what is the greatest danger facing the church today? And I know a lot of, um, a lot of preachers and uh, scholars and, and, and thinkers, they like to sit around and talk about this and see if they can sort of predict and prognosticate. You know, what, 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 what is it that we should be preparing for and, and on guard of? And, and there's a lot of things out there. there there's atheism and evolution. Uh, there's um, uh, challenges to the inspiration and the accuracy and the authority of the scriptures itself and God's word. Like Bruno was just referring to earlier. There's agnosticism, the idea that you can't know the truth. That's a real problem. That gets to a lot of the issues that you see going on in the world today. No one can know really what's right or what's wrong. Or pluralism, just the idea that, you know, any religion is good. Just any idea of trying to be a better person, just pick a religion out there. They're all good. They're all the same. That, that's fine. And, and all those are legitimate concerns. And they're, and they're serious problems. But here was what my friend suggested and offered for a point of discussion. He said in this post that I read last week, he said, I'm just an average Christian. The idea, the concept of just being an average Christian, he said, that he think is one of the greatest threats we're facing. I thought, well, that doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world. Well, let's break it down just a little bit. Okay, so, so, so what is the idea or the concept of just being an average Christian? Well, here, here's one way of looking at it, because here's, I think, maybe the way a lot of people in the church might think. You know, that I'm, if you're just an average Christian, well, you're someone who, well, I, I got baptized. I go to church. I go to Bible class sometimes. Or I read the Bible sometimes. I'm, I'm getting some spiritual diet, food intake. And... I'm a good person. I don't cheat on my spouse. I don't kill anyone. I'm I'm a fairly decent, good person. And that makes me kind of the idea here is I'm an average Christian. Now, as I began to study this, 
this idea, this concept, what I, what I began to realize was that it, it's real easy to take something that is, that is spiritual and make it mundane or commonplace or ordinary. It's, it's so easy to do that. It's easy to eventually start thinking of the Lord's Supper as I'm just eating some bread and drinking some grape juice. Or when I'm giving to God, all I'm really doing is I'm just putting some money into a box. Or when I'm singing to God or when I'm praying to God, it's just sort of these, these rehearsed phrases that I know and I just kind of spit those out and that's what I'm supposed to do. And it's easy to take out the spiritual and just sort of make it a rote, memorized, this is what I do, mundane activity. It's really easy to do that. So, what do we need to do to overcome this idea or concept of what I call the average Christian syndrome, this idea that I'm just an average Christian? I think what we need to do to overcome this, and this is my opinion, hopefully we'll see and we'll, we'll read from the Bible and see if this bears out, but I think the solution to this problem is greater spiritual depth. We're going to talk about that this morning. Greater spiritual depth, like Jesus talked about in the parable of the sower. In Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21, he talked about some of that seed that falls on the wayside or along the path, that compact soil that people have been walking and stepping on, and now it's hard underneath, and the seed takes root, and the roots branch out, but they can't go deep into the soil to grow because that's where it needs the roots to go. It needs that depth. It needs that spiritual depth in order to grow, but it can't do it. We need greater spiritual depth because too many of us are content to wade in the shallows and we're afraid to launch out into the deep, spiritually speaking. We need to be greater in our depth and our spirituality and how we think about God and how we think about what we're doing. Is it just a mundane everyday, this is just something I go through, some activity, or is there something deeper and more meaningful about what we're doing as Christians? Let's talk about that this morning. Let's talk about that. I go to church or worship. Let's talk about that in the context of greater spiritual depth. Spiritual depth is not just about showing up at the church building. I'm here. It's important to be here. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, we need to be here. We need to be around one another. We need to come together and worship God and praise God. We need to come together and encourage one another. Our physical presence is important. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, in addition to that, greater spiritual depth is seen when it's about me longing, desiring more than anything else. I want to come together. I want to be here to express to God how much I love him and how I praise him and how great he is. That spirit, that mindset that's where you see greater spiritual depth. Think of these passages, Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1. O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you. 
I will praise you for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. Psalm 63 verse 1, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, a passage we're all familiar with because many of us have sung this. As the deer pants for living streams of water, so my soul longs after you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Do you long to go to church or do you think church is too long? Do we look forward to being here where we can come and express our praise and our devotion to God? For those of you who are married, do you remember when you first started dating? And how you just look forward to just being around that other person so that you could tell them how wonderful they are, how much they mean to you, uh, the, the, the change and the impact you've had in my life. You've made me a better version of myself. I, I, I'm, I'm so much happier. I, I love being around you. You're so pretty. You're so handsome. I, I, how great you are is the theme of what we would like to talk about when we would get together. God wants the same thing in our relationship with him. He wants us to long and yes, he wants us to be here. But in addition to being here, he, he wants us to long to be here, to long to worship him and to praise him. What we're doing this morning and praising and worshiping God, he wants us to look forward to that. There's where we find greater spiritual depth. How about spiritual depth and going to Bible class? Again, spiritual depth is not just about attending and being present and having my name checked off on the register for Bible class. Although that's important. I'm not saying that that's not important. Early Christians got together continuously. Acts 2 verse 42, they'd get together so that they could focus on and share and study from the, the apostles' doctrine and teaching. They were studying the Bible. That's important. Not saying you don't need to be here. But in addition to that, spiritual depth goes beyond just being here, and it's about wanting and desiring to know God and His Word. There's where the depth comes in. In Matthew 5 or 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172, all your commands are righteousness. When I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness, I'm hungering and thirsting, and I want to know what does God have to say, because God will define and decide what is right and wrong. And I hunger for that. I am thirsty for that. The psalmist talked about this concept in Psalm 119, Consistently. It, by the way, every verse in Psalm 119 is about God's word. Verse 20 says, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Verse 40, behold, I long for your precepts in your righteousness. Give me life. Verse 131, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Is there something off you just feel like something's not quite right if you get to the end of the day and you haven't heard from God through his word. 
Let me ask you this. What if over the course of a week, and you're not out traveling, you're at home, you're home every day, over the course of a week, if you didn't say a word to your spouse, how would that go? Or let's say you're home every day and you're spending hours together, but you just speak maybe one or two minutes a day to each other and that's it. How would that go? I think your spouse might say, we have some problems that we need to work out. And maybe one of those problems is we're just not as close as we used to be. We need to hear from God. We need to let God speak through his word and communicate to us so that we can know him better and knowing him through his word. How about I'm a good person? I'm a good person because I just, I haven't cheated on my spouse. Well, spiritual depth is not just about not cheating on your spouse, although that is really important. Please don't misunderstand me. And don't misunderstand Jesus. Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 27, adultery is sin. That's absolutely wrong. If you don't think it's wrong, you commit adultery and you'll find out real fast just how serious a matter that is. But it's more than just that. It's about loving your spouse like Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5, verse 25. That's spiritual depth. Imagine. If you got an anniversary card from your spouse and you opened it up and it said, happy anniversary on not cheating on you for another year. <laughs> I look forward to spending the rest of the next year with you because I'm bound by my vows and the law to be with you. There's some depth lacking there. That's not going to cut it. There's greater spiritual depth that needs to be there. How about I'm a good person because I didn't kill anybody? There's a lot of people who think that. I, 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 you start talking about religion and oftentimes people will just kind of volunteer, well, I, I've never killed anybody. Okay. But greater spiritual depth is not just about not killing your neighbor, although it's real important that you don't kill your neighbor. Jesus talked about the idea of murder, still a sin, Old Testament, New Testament for all time, killing other people. But it's more than that. It's about loving lost souls. It's about wanting other people to be saved. Not just I didn't take your life, but how about I want to give you life. We want to have that mindset that God has in 2 Peter 3 verse 9. God who is not slack in his promises, as some men count slackness, he's been long-suffering or patient toward us all, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants all people to be saved. We should want the same thing. We want all people to be saved. Even that person who cut me off on the highway, God wants him to be saved. Do I have that mindset? that greater spiritual depth in my life. How about, well, I was baptized. Let's talk about greater spiritual depth there. Spiritual depth is not just that you were immersed, although please, please, please listen, especially in light of last week's wonderful sermons by John, both Sunday morning and Sunday night on baptism. It's not just about being immersed, although that's important. To be clear, 
And, and, just, just, and, and think about some of the passages that John talked about last week. Acts 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Acts 22, verse 16. What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. 1 Peter 3, verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism also now saves us. You cannot be saved. Your sins cannot be forgiven unless you've been baptized. But it's not just about getting in the water, although that's important. It's about dying to self. You go down into those waters, dying to self, and you come up a new creature who lives a new life. You know, Peter talked about this principle of dying to self, dying to sin, and being alive unto Christ. Look, look in Romans chapter 6. T- turn your Bibles with me. Let's read there. An extensive passage that talks about this concept of dying to sin, being alive to Christ in the context of baptism. You find the spiritual depth here where this physical act and the spiritual depth are tied together. In Romans 6, beginning in verse 1, says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? There's the baptism. We were buried with him, therefore, by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Skip on down to verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Notice that spiritual depth, that baptism, what that's talking about there is this idea of the spiritual change that takes place when we're baptized. Now, does the Bible talk about average Christians? I don't see that term average being used in the Bible in connection with Christians. I, I, I don't see it in there. But I think the concept is there. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, when, when John is writing to and addressing the church in Laodicea, that lukewarm church in Laodicea, he says, you're not hot, you're not cold, You're just in between. You're lukewarm. I think it'd be accurate to call the Christians in Laodicea average Christians, just average Christians, lacking spiritual depth. God wants complete commitment. 
In order to be like what we're talking about, to have the kind of depth that we need to have, it, it requires a commitment on our part. The kind of commitment that we talked about in the context of baptism just a moment ago, where we're, we've died to one thing and now we're alive to something else. We didn't die a little bit to our old life. We died completely to our old life. We are completely committed. That complete commitment is found in the passage that was read earlier by Bruno in, in Mark 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. There's nothing left after that. That's everything you have, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. God wants you to love him. That is complete commitment. That's not trying Christianity out and seeing if I like it or not. That is complete commitment. I am yours. I'm on board. Here we go. Complete commitment. Paul talked about that concept in Romans chapter 12. He said, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's complete commitment. I am sacrificing myself. When an animal was placed on an altar and it was sacrificed, it was completely sacrificed. You didn't sacrifice a little bit of the animal, it was dead, its blood was spilt. We are completely sacrificed, we completely belong to God, we are completely His, we are completely committed. We are committed to God. Well, let's say you're convinced. Or maybe you have always been convinced, but maybe I just, I, I haven't been that kind of committed Christian. I haven't had that kind of spiritual depth that I'd like to have. I've been plagued by this feeling of just sort of averageness and just sort of going along. I, I want to have that kind of passion in my relationship with God. I want to have that level of commitment to God. And that's a great question. So what do I need to do? And there's a lot of things we can look at in the Bible, but if you would, look with me. Let's turn and read together from Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, you'll remember this story. This is the story, my Bible it says, uh, on the road to Emmaus. These are the two men. This is following the crucifixion of Jesus, following the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, word has gotten out, and here's the story that only Luke records of two men who are on the road to Emmaus, and as they're walking along the way, they encounter Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus. They don't recognize him yet. And so the story begins in verse 13, and they start to talk to Jesus, and J Jesus asks them what they're talking about. And, and, and they tell him about, about Jesus and his, his death and his resurrection and the things that have, have transpired and how people saw his tomb empty and how the people went back and there were angels there. But when they went back, there was nothing there uh, when everyone else went back. And so they're telling him the story and they, they can't believe that Jesus hasn't heard this story. They say, you, you must be the only person in Jerusalem that hasn't heard about this. Everyone's heard about this. And so they're talking along the way. And then notice in verse 25, it says, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. 
for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And then in verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? I know you probably may get tired of hearing this over and over and over again from preachers and from Bible class teachers that you need to study your Bible. You need to read your Bible more. I I get that. But let me tell you something from, from this passage here that we just read. If you wanna have a close, personal, intimate relationship with God, If you want to have that relationship where you long and you look forward to God, you have a relationship that is filled with zeal and enthusiasm and you're on fire for God. You're not lukewarm, cold, and average. You're on fire. You have that kind of relationship where you cry out to God as the deer pants for living water, so my soul longs after you. Renew in me a clean spirit like the psalmist talked about in Psalm 51 verse 12. If you want to be that kind of person who is crying out to God, who has that loving, intimate relationship with God, if you want to have that, you have to open up your Bible. Notice again what they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Didn't we have that zeal and that fire and that longing? When what happened? When he talked with us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures. When he talked from Moses, the Pentateuch. When he talked from the prophets, the Old Testament. When he shared to us the word and he, he, he explained and interpreted how what Jesus did was a fulfillment of this. How our hearts burned within us. We have to spend more time reading God's word. Now let me make one last quick point. Because I think some people think this way. I know I've thought this way. Well, this this zeal and passion, this, this greater spiritual depth, well, that's for the preachers and the elders and some of the deacons and Bible class teachers and certain people we expect that from, yeah, that, they're supposed to do that. But not me sitting in the pew. That's, that, that's their job. Let me challenge you to go back and read every scripture that we've talked about this morning and you will find that absolutely none of them were directed to or limited to preachers and elders and Bible class teachers. They were written to followers of God, to disciples of Christ, to Christians, to all of us. We are all called to have greater spiritual depth in our lives. That's what God wants for every one of us. 
let me challenge you this morning to wade out into the deep where there's greater spiritual depth, where you spend more time listening to God and you spend more time talking to God in prayer, where you long for God, where you look forward to seeing God someday, when you look forward to being around his people and coming here and worshiping. Let me encourage you to set aside this idea that I can just be an average Christian because being an average Christian Simply being an average Christian is not something that's going to just thwart your being the very best you that you could possibly be. It's something that will keep you from heaven. Remember Jesus, Jesus speaking and his response to the lukewarm Christians of Laodicea. He said, I want to spew you out of my mouth. He cannot tolerate that. I would rather you were hot or cold, he says but not average. Now, if you're thinking this morning, well, I'm not even a Christian yet, much less a cold, warm, or hot, or otherwise, well, we can help you with that. We'd love to study the Bible with you. We'd like to encourage you. And we'd love to baptize you into Christ for the remission of your sins and be added, like John talked about last week, be added to the body of Christ like first century Christians did in Acts chapter two. And if you're a Christian and your life has been stuck in average, in lukewarm, and you wanna make changes, we would love to encourage you and pray for you and help you in any way that we can to spark that zeal and that passion and that commitment yet again. However we can help you this morning, why don't you come forward as we stand and sing the invitation song together.